garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. My name is Kenneth Mabry. I'll be your host this morning, but I do have my wonderful sidekick over here, Mr. Jim Crowder, with me. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Mr. Ken. You doing all right today? Doing great. And uh, as Veda would say, it's fall, y'all. You know? It is. It feels great out there. Um, yeah, it took about 20 minutes to change last night. Yeah, it, it did. <laughs> had that little wind come through, and I uh, had a few limbs come out of the old tulip popper in the front uh, front yard. And Not some enough, leaves. Huh? <laughs> but there were small limbs, Jim. The whole tree didn't come down. Unbelievable. Uh, our good friend and uh, co-host, of, or co-host of the show, Miss Veda Vance, she'll be here next weekend with us. She was having a few um, uh, family things to go over this morning so uh, and this weekend, so we will miss her, Jim, but we'll see her next weekend. Yep. For everybody out there listening, if you want to give us a call this morning, 844-747-8868. That's 844-747-8868. Or the local number, 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. All right, Jim, you know, I had a little pep in my step last night, I'm telling you. You know, it was hot yesterday. It was humid it was. yesterday. It was. You know, but then we'd get a little cloud cover, and I'm like, okay, this doesn't feel too bad. Then that sun would come back out. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I know what the forecast is. I just wonder if that's going to really come to be. And like you said, last night going home, uh, a little bit of rain, uh, but, man, that breeze felt so good. Mm -hmm. And then when I took the dog out last night uh, about 10 o'clock, I mean, it was almost like for the first time this year I felt a little chilly. And I'm thinking, okay, now we're into fall. Now we can really get some things done. Yeah, you know, think about it. Our first frost really is only, you know, two to three weeks away. Was it November 15th? Well, it's it's between October 31st and November 15th. So, you know, I've I've seen them before Halloween. Seen them, you know, not till nearly the first of the year. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, but yeah, it's... uh, it's hard to believe if it you is. think about I, it. I started repotting this week, got everything repotted, mm-hmm. ready to come in. So um, this time I'm going to start early. Normally I wait until the day I have to get them in. Oh, don't we all? <laughs> and, and I did write down houseplants last night, one, one thing that we would talk about, because you're right, a lot of people that have houseplants, uh, they'll take them outside in the springtime and kind of scatter them around on balconies and porches and decks or whatever. Uh, and we all know that they can't stay out there all winter. No. So, you know, what do we do in preparation to bring those things inside? I mean, yeah, I know you can run out there at the last second, pick one up and run it inside, mm-hmm. right? But that's just not the best way to do this. It's really not. You know, when starting uh, in advance like this, you get a chance to groom mm-hmm. them, get rid of any old foliage. Take a good look at them for insects to see if you need to do anything. Or do you just be proactive and go ahead and spray them anyway? Well, it depends on what it is. But, okay. yeah, a lot of things I would. Mm-hmm. I'd use a, a good all-seasons oil and just go ahead and spray them. Mm-hmm. Of course, I have a lot of succulents, which I'm not going to use an oil on. Because um, it could burn the foliage. Right. And I w- but I will treat most all of them with uh, some imidacloprid granules so that mm-hmm. control the <clears throat> fungus gnats. You know, even though they're going to be in the garage, I just don't want the fungus gnats around. And that's uh, usually systemic uh, houseplant yeah. insect granules yeah, that you just sprinkle down dry. Right. right. Yeah. And it's great. And, and like I say, it's <clears throat> virtually non-toxic to mammals, so you don't have to worry about the dogs and the kids and things like that. You just sprinkle it on there, and it's going to give you... Th- 
three, maybe four months control. Mm-hmm. And then it's uh, an easy way to do it. It really is, you know, mm-hmm. and and it's one of the few things that is labeled for the larva of the fungus net, which is, uh, you know, a maggot, which you hate to think you got maggots in your soul, but you do. Especially and, if you're keeping it too wet. Right. Uh, so anyway, it, it stops us, you know, and the fungus nets really aren't damaging the plant. They're, they're, per se. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's just more of a nuisance when they're flying around your eyes and you know. up your nose. <laughs> yeah, but th- that is an indication that you're keeping your plants way too wet. Yeah, you know. So all right, so then now, what about do you wash them off, Jim, before you bring them in, or is that? I, I mean, because they've been outside. Yeah, you I know, don't. you've had rain on them, so. Yeah. You know, uh, normally they're in the rain. Now, I, when I repotted them, of course, then here comes the rain. So, which is good. I, I, I guess. put the umbrella. I put them all on the on the on the table on the deck. Put the umbrella <laughs> up so that they wouldn't get rained on because inevitably you'll damage some roots. And I like for those to callus a day or two yeah. before we get rain on them with, yeah. with most succulents. Now, why did you repot all of yours, though? You don't well, have to do that. You don't have to do that, but I like to put them in clay pots versus the plastic pots. And, of course, you know, I went to the Botanic Garden plant sale a week or so ago. And I remember that. And brought home some more stuff, you know. Yeah. So, and, and they were most all in plastic pots. And I just like, I like, one, the look of a clay pot. But also it dries quicker. It breathes a little know. better. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll run a fan usually in the garage during the wintertime to, to churn the, the warm air in there so you don't get really cold air down on the ground. Uh, and that helps dry those pots out. So it's um, – I just I just like clay. And then we'll say you've got them repotted, yep. you know, and you got them inside. Um, Eventually, and, they're, well, they're yeah. still above well, the yeah, umbrellas. But, I, but, right but you will get them inside sooner than later, yeah. and you'll position them, Jim, accordingly. Now, like you said, most of yours are succulents, and you got a place in your uh, garage, yeah. you know, that you got a grow light out there, and you keep it warm at a certain temperature. Um, but but just a regular typical house plant that people bring inside, you can do all of those things. Yeah, uh, clean it up, like you said, cut off any old growth, any dead looking growth, clean it up as best you can. Um, you know, either spray it with a good oil spray or um, something similar or use the granules that you're talking about. Uh, get them inside, Jim. And then what about feeding? You know, you, you hear so many people say, yeah, I feed my houseplants year round. But then you also read and hear about people saying, well, I don't want to really feed my houseplants this time of year. Give them time to rest during the winter months, yeah, and then I'll start feeding them again in the spring. Yeah, even tropical <clears throat> plants need to go through a period of dormancy where they slow down i mean that's just nature's way um so you know if you're doing things like orchids you know i use a very very mild fertilizer just every time i water so it's you know it just it's not enough to stimulate any extra growth or Mm -hmm. anything but on things like um uh, larger plants. I've got uh, picked up a walking iris the other day from you, and I've got a, a giant squill, which is a a bulb that the bulb actually weighed about five pounds. It looks like a a like a big amar- amar- amaryllis bulb yeah. on, on steroids. Wow, it's huge, um, and it's it's dormant during the summer, so there's no foliage on it. But the foliage is coming up now. It didn't bloom. It should bloom in August. Uh, but mm. those, I use those agroform tablets, and I'll push a couple of them down in the pots, depending on the size of the pot. And they'll feed for up to two years or yeah. so. So yeah. they're very slow, a little bit of fertilizer. So I don't have to worry about mixing up something and putting it in the water. And I'm not a big fan of water-soluble fertilizers 
uh, things like miracle grow in uh, in containers. Uh, it's mm-hmm. fine for the garden, mm-hmm. but use a little better quality stuff like the uh, Fox Farm products, mm-hmm. uh, where you're not going to get that chlorinated salt buildup, that white crust that you see. Yeah, the big bloom, out. the grow big, yeah, um, tiger bloom, all of those. Those you're not going to see that that uh, the that's that up. white residue that you see on the side of your pipe yeah. from using a some water soluble plant foods every two weeks and get that salt build up right and it you know the plants can absorb that and it will accumulate in the tips and the margins <clears throat> so i mean you almost never see a dracaena marginata that's got green leaves all the way to the tip right. the tips are burned no exactly <laughs> you know and that's it's for, because they're real <laughs> sensitive to it uh, and I wrote down, Jim, uh, houseplants in the wintertime. Once you get them inside, and then just your normal care for houseplants while they're in the house in the wintertime, uh, use 25% less water. Makes sense. Yeah, you at know? least, yeah. Uh, don't overwater your houseplants. Most houseplants are killed by tender love and care, mm-hmm. keeping them way too wet, okay? Uh, try to use room temperature water when you do water them. You know, don't get the coldest water that's in your house. I mean, they, the roots have uh, little feelings also, okay? Yeah, I like to fill up the water can uh, for next, for tomorrow. Yeah. You know, yes. the next time I water, and then every time I empty it, I fill it up. And that also helps time. dechlorinate that water that's also. That's exactly right. Also, uh, no water left in the saucer. You know, if you uh, most of us have a saucer under our container in the house, of course. And when we water our house plant, uh, excessive moisture goes down to the saucer, just like it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a good bit of water left down in that saucer, at some point try to get it out of there. Yeah, you know, I, I usually say after 20 minutes or so, if there's anything left in there, dump it out. Yeah. Now, yeah. what I have seen people do, Jim, is get like pea gravel, put that in the saucer, set the pot in, on the saucer on the pea gravel, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you water, the excessive moisture goes to the saucer again. But it's not sitting in the water. It's not sitting in the water. And the idea when we started doing that was that humidity right. helped. But the fact of the matter is you got air on your in your house, heat or air conditioners running, and as soon as that humidity comes off, it's swept away. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so you're so, not really creating a tropical environment no. around that house plant just because you have pebbles in your saucer, <laughs> right? right? Uh, and then, of course, we mentioned no fertilizer. I mean, can you feed your house plants in the winter? Yes. Uh, do they recommend that you don't? They really do. You know, so like you said, let them rest for a minute, Jim. Right. You know, and plants, We I talk about this a lot because it's really important. There is a, a cuticle layer on a leaf that that helps. It's kind of like a waxy layer. It's not cells, but it helps regulate the amount of light that gets into that plant. And so in a high light, high sun, bright sun location, that's that layer is very thick so that mm-hmm. it stops the sun from burning the tissue mm-hmm. um in a lower light then that's very thin that's the reason when you see a lot of times people will top a tree it just fries the right. foliage down on the inside because that because tissue is just not it's acclimated, not acclimated to that much sun right. so when you move a plant inside if it's actively growing it's going to try to change that leaf to the light situation that you're in. Uh, you'll see it with things like Schaeffler's. The first set of leaves will come out, and they'll be crinkled, misshapen. Right. Right. And that's because it's adjusting to that. And it takes a, a set or two for leaves to come out before it does it. And then when you move them outside, that is too thin, so you're likely to get it burned if you put it in too much sunlight. So Even though it, eventually it will tolerate that much it, sun, though. Eventually it will. So the... Th- 
by not stimulating that growth and giving them a lot of fertilizer, right. you don't screw up the yeah. light that it remembered. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. God. Okay. And then um, one more thing, um, you know, also keep away from heat vents and cold windows. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these houseplants need as much light as we can possibly give them. So we do put a lot of them near French doors, windows, whatever. But a lot of times you'll see these, especially these larger houseplants, Jim, pushed up against the wall, and they're pushed up against the window panes also. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, that window pane is probably the coldest part of the house mm-hmm. indoors in the wintertime. Yep. Um, and then the same thing with the heating ducts down there. You know, So keep all that in mind, guys, when you're thinking about maybe getting these houseplants in and the care for these houseplants, and I think you'll be uh, greatly rewarded, if you will. Years ago, uh, I think I was visiting. Damn, we got to take a break? Yeah, we're going to have... Okay, we're going to so take we'll, a break. We will be back, and I'll continue my wonderfully interesting story that Kenneth made me stop talking about. I can't wait. We'll be back, guys. Thank you. Hey, welcome back, everybody. You listen to Miss South Gardening on KWAM. If you want to give us a call, 844-747-8868. That's 844-747-8868. Or if you're calling from the local number, it's 901-260-5926. And, Jim, we'll get back to your story here in just a minute. But yeah, we did I see have David's a, on the phone there. Yeah, we had Mr. David give us a call this morning. David, good morning to you. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning, guys. How are you today? We're great, hey, buddy. We're great. Appreciate you getting up with us, David. Oh man, don't hey look, let me tell you something. I taped y'all last week, man. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> no, I don't know what I don't know what's wrong with you people, man. I hell, six o'clock? What's wrong with y'all? <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, now we're nationwide, so it's seven over on the East Coast. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't make uh-huh. any difference to us though, does it, Dave? No. Oh no. But then it's four out west. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it could be worse. Huh? Yeah, right. It could always be worse. That's right. Yeah, like like the movie um, Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, no, God, I hadn't heard that in so long. Dave, what's yep. going on with you this morning, buddy? Well, um, I was just curious. By the way, one of y'all is shooting hooky too. It looks like. It's like yes, yes, yes. She, um, you know, we got a text from Miss Veda. Last night and again this morning, and uh, yeah, she couldn't be here this morning. We miss her, but she'll be here next weekend. Okay, good. I like I like the whole crew there. That's like right, buddy. That's and right. I appreciate y'all too. Yeah, I'd rather um, I'd rather look at her than Kenneth. Yeah, who <laughs> wouldn't? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, at my age, you can't be too picky. But really, <laughs> she, <laughs> Jim, I'm sitting right here. Okay. No, I, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, I just had a general question, just curiosity. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be cutting my lawn this morning with my electric mower yeah. uh, because the squirrels have decided, like they do every year, to uh, pick the pecans off of my tree while they're green. And so my real mower doesn't work very well unless I get all the freaking pecans. Right, right, right. But anyway, so my question is... Um, when is uh, do you guys think that the yard cutting season is over? I love this weather. This is my weather. Yeah. I love this. So, but when do y'all think that the yard cutting season is over? 
for mine this week. This was the last one. Okay. Yeah, and see, yeah. mine, I always like to get that last, you know, nice little trim, even when it's almost dormant. Even though I know I don't have to, David, uh, I'm just OCD like that. Um, I mean, but another cutting R2, uh, you know, we should be fine. Now with cooler weather, you know, the Bermudan zoysia is definitely going to slow down. Uh, you will start getting that, mm-hmm. you know, even that somewhat of a dormant look before too long. Um, so I would say if not this time, uh, probably one more time after that, if you're as crazy as I am about uh, just having that nice manicured look, you yeah. know. The most important thing, though, is don't cut it too short. That's right. You know, leave it up because although these grasses look like they're dormant, they actually have green tissue inside of them. And those carbohydrates okay. are going to what kick it off next spring. Every time we get temperatures down below 10 or so, Bermuda starts dying. And then if you continue to lose those nodes mm-hmm. going down, you'll get some winter kill in it. So the more nodes you leave on there, the better protection you've got for that turf. Oh, that's that's good information because I, I was going to cut it low. Yeah. No. Um, One next spring grass, when bro. it starts to green up, then you can go back and cut it just as low as you want. Okay. Great information. Does does grass grow normally at night in this situation when it's fifty degrees or forty or when is you know you know does it? Well, generally speaking, does grass grow twenty four seven? In other words, night and day. Yes, but it's really more dependent on the soil temperature. Okay, once we start getting soil temperature that drops to 60 or so, Bermuda just basically stops. All right, Dave, uh, we got to go to a, a hard break here. We apologize. I'll put you on hold for just a second. If you have any more questions at all, you just hang on. We'll be back after the break. But, Jim, um, like I said, the main thing is just don't scalp the lawn. Yep. Yep. Um, Bermuda and Zoysia, and we'll talk about fescue later on in the show. Anyway, guys, you listen to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 901-260-5926 or 844-747-8868. That's 844-747-8868. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. If you have a gardening question, you can give us a call, 844-747-8868. That's 844-747-8868. And, Jim, as you know, the local number, 901-260-5926. Those are the numbers you can get us. And you can also go to... Um, KWAMRadio.com, stream us live anywhere in the country so you can call your friends in California, wake them up and say, let's do this radio program. It's really good. <laughs> KWAM.com. And then, uh, of course, Facebook, uh, the Mighty 990, and you can shoot us a text there. And we did have uh, David. Uh, I wonder if we still got David up here. Hey, Dave. Yeah, you, 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 you still got me. Thank you, Dave. Right. I apologize. We had to go to that hard break, and I had to put you on hold, and oh, I hated no. to cut you off, buddy. I'll never apologize for making money. Nah, That's you're fair. right, Dave. I appreciate it. <laughs> but but what I was going to say, David, on the Bermudan zoysia, um, and like Jim was telling you earlier, you know, this could be the very last cutting. Now, when it comes to fescue, you know, we'll be cutting that stuff, you know, really all winter and all spring. So I'm assuming that you have nothing but Bermuda or zoysia. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, well, let me say, guys, I want to thank you for another great season um, of yard cutting. <laughs> 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 and David, let me say this real quick also. I was walking up the stairs a while ago. I ran down to grab some coffee during the break. And yeah. I was just thinking about pushing what David calls, you know, the real more. The real and when I say the real R E E L. Yes, that has the little right. blades on there that turn like the old fashioned lawnmowers. Right. I can see you hitting this big green pecan and having to stop and just yank that thing out of there every time you hit one. I'm thinking, oh. that can't be fun. Mm-hmm. I, I I did it a, a week and a half ago, Mm-mm. and I was so angry at those squirrels. Boy, yeah. I could have gotten my shotgun, but I didn't. And and they fling them backwards at you. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I got the kind of squirrels that would sit on a tree and talk to me about, hey, who do you think runs this joint? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? And, so, we all, and we all know who's running it, so yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. But in all seriousness, guys, <clears throat> you've been a big help. Um, Doc says I can actually go back to work, which um, I hadn't told anybody yet. Well, good. Oh, but, congratulations. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot. And uh, But I, I really enjoy you guys in the morning, on Saturday morning, you know, with some cocoa. Don't drink coffee. Yeah. And um, y'all just a blessing with the information you get. And, and, Jim, I keep sending that check, but for some reason it keeps coming back. <laughs> you know, and I'm just going to have to come down there and get it. <laughs> oh, did I tell you that I moved? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Different address. Dave, uh, it works both ways, buddy. And uh, we couldn't do this without people like y'all out there calling in either. So we appreciate well, it, David. Take right, care, Dave. Bye. Thanks, Dave. Uh, what a great guy. Uh, but, Jim, uh, squirrels. You know, I know, they they they. I were, swear were they roost. throw they throw acorns at me when I go out in the front yard. Mm. You know, I, it's just so Bermuda zoysia typically is what we have here in the mid south. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bermuda. Uh, you know, I love it. That's what I have in my yard. Zoysia, I love it. I also have that in my yard, right? Uh, but we are, you know, we also see a good bit of fescue here in the Mid-South. And typically, you know, you'll see that fescue, Jim, you know, growing where the Bermudan zoysia won't grow because of lack of light. Mm-hmm. You know, and people, there's this misnomer when you hear people say that zoysia grows in the shade, right? Well, Tolerates right. some what, is, what does that mean when people say it grows in the shade? Well, it, it will make a decent turf with four or five hours of uninterrupted, direct, straight-in sun. And, and, and that's the key. You know, right. when, when I hear shade, I'm thinking of this dark. Not dappled shade. You know. You know, if it doesn't get, if it only gets an hour or two early in the morning coming up underneath there, I mean, it, you're going to have some scattered grass, but right. it is not going to make a turf. That's right. And we right. see it all the time when people go out there and they'll spend good money on zoysia side, put it under these trees where they just don't get enough sun to support it. And, Jim, mm. and a year or two later, uh, it's like you said, it's thinned out to hardly anything. And so many of these guys that want to lay sod will tell you, oh, yeah, it'll grow in there fine. That's true. but It keep, just doesn't do it. You're right. But keep in mind, zoysia now can tolerate less sun than Bermuda. Right. Bermuda needs about six hours of sun or more, correct? Yeah, and I'm, I think eight's better. Okay. <laughs> uh, but at least six. Yeah. Uh, and the zoysias need, you know, three to four hours. The sod farm actually says three on, like, Palisade zoysia. I really say four, mm-hmm. you know, but at least three hours of good sun. But we're getting to um, getting to the fescue. You know, there are a lot of situations where you do not get that much sun under the canopy of a lot of these large trees. Yeah, but fescue is different because its growing season is from September or so 
till about the 1st of June. And most of that time, it's an almost full sun. The only shade it's getting is just from the deciduous tree limbs. Right, right. So it is building carbohydrates and and storing those so that when your soil temperature gets up around 70 degrees, it stops growing. It goes dormant. It just happens to be green when it's dormant. So in where we make a lot of mistakes is people that wanna that have both sun and shade when they mow they look forward to mowing through the shade because it's cooler mm-hmm. and that's the worst <laughs> thing you can do because you're going to stimulate that grass to replace that it it starts sucking the carbohydrates out of the roots and it will thin out and die on you All right. so it needs to be not mowed as is. Mow it as little as you possibly can. And then can. mow it as high as you possibly can Up also. around three and a half, four inches if you can. I mean, that's good. And we're going to go back to fescue. We're not done with fescue because no, I love fescue. Uh, but we do have Jerry um, on the phone uh, from South Haven. Hey, Jerry, good morning to you, buddy. Good morning. There's somebody besides Dave that's listening to you. Well, that's great. <laughs> there you go, There's Jerry. There's two. There's two. <laughs> There's two. Uh, Mr. Ken. Yeah. Uh, how are you fixing the azaleas out there today? We're okay. You know, we've got some old. Yes, sir. We've got some old fashioned traditional azaleas, and we have some of the Encore azaleas. We're actually in pretty good shape, Mr. Jerry. I don't want Encore. Uh, I've got to replace two that got killed then. But anyway, I had one that's pretty good size, didn't there, about three, four years. Mm-hmm. I think the ice store kind of got it. It could have. Um, Half and, of it. Died in early spring, and I know so they the rest. Of, and I got drip irrigation on them. Yes, sir. It yeah, at least uh, at what, uh, two hours of water every week. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we did see a good bit of damage, of course, from last winter, and then we actually saw some damage also from the very wet, wet, cool spring that we had, especially on plants that won't tolerate, you know, wet feet. Azaleas being one of them. Um, so we had some root damage done back in the uh, in the spring, day, uh, Jerry, and then we saw the damage really start to occur when it got hot this summer. So we did see some damage on azaleas from last year's weather. Yes, sir. And how about you had plenty of daffodils, don't you? Yes, sir. We're in great shape on bulbs, and I wrote that down also. We'll definitely talk about bulbs before the end of the show. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, what time are you going to be there today? I'll be there a little after 9 o'clock. That's not okay. I should be up again by then. We'll get breakfast, come back and take a nap. You're not right, Jerry. We appreciate the call, buddy. And I'll see you later on today, man. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. I said he should be awake by then. Uh, But, Jim, we were talking about, and thanks for the call, Jerry. And if anybody else wants to give us a call, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926, or 844-747-8868. Uh, fescue. Um, so a lot of people have situations like we we're talking about where they've got the big trees. Memphis is nothing but oak trees. You know, we're nothing but trees everywhere, which I love about Memphis. Uh, and it's hard to grow grass in the shade. In fact, no grass naturally grows in the shade, as you know. But we all know that fescue can tolerate less sun than all the other grasses out there. So this is the time of year to sow fescue, starting now, Mm -hmm. uh, in these shaded environments. So if you've got an area up up under a tree and you know you can't grow Bermuda or zoysia and you know you want grass, uh, this is the time of year to get that fescue out. Now, like any other seed that you're potentially going to put out, there is typically a little prep work involved. Yeah, and the more the better in this case. 
you know, and what we mean by that is go out there and, you know, rough it up really good as best you can in the bare spots, uh, sow that seed out there, and then you need to do one or two things. Either you need to come back and lightly rough that seed in or come back and lightly cover the seed uh, with some just topsoil or any kind of soil, okay? Because you're going to get a faster and more even germination if that seed is lightly covered. What you don't want, and we see, Jim, is that seed just laying there on top of hard, dry ground. You're not going to be happy with it just laying there on top of hard, dry ground. So rough it in uh, or lightly cover it, and then you want to just keep it moist on uh, on just a daily basis. And it usually comes up in about 10 days, two weeks' time. And... You know, like we were saying uh, a while ago, like Jim was talking about, you know, after germination, uh, you raise the lawnmower really, I say, as high as it'll go and just keep it cut at that level. And then the other really important thing is when those leaves start falling, you want to try your best to keep those leaves off of that fescue, whether you're blowing them off lately, uh, lightly raking them off uh, or, or cutting them off with the lawnmower. Try to keep the leaves off that fescue. Keep it as clean as you possibly can. And, Jim, you can have some decent-looking grass up under these trees, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. But, you you know, soil prep is the absolute key here to getting well-established fescue. You know, the best way to do it is rent, rent a core area, mm-hmm. okay, there, and, and use it for an afternoon. And just run across that area And that's the thing that pulls up those plugs, Jim. And spits it out. Yeah. And if you'll just run that across there as many times as you can— you will loosen that soil so that those roots can develop on down in the three to four inch range. Okay, most most often they ground up underneath a tree like concrete. You know? Yeah, and That's it right. is chuck full of roots. You know, uh, talked about here like on a full grown oak tree. There's something in excess of six hundred thousand miles of roots and feeder roots, which are microscopic on a mature oak tree. Six, that goes, if you lay them end to end, that goes around the earth like 25 times. We're talking about just one mature oak tree. one tree. Mm -hmm. So those are filling that soil, and they're there to suck the moisture and the nutrients out of that soil. Mm -hmm. So the more soil prep you do, the better established that fescue is going to be. You know, where they grow fescue for seed, you get roots four feet deep, mm-hmm. okay? They go way down because they got the soil that you can stick your arm down the elbow in, you know? <laughs> Which Here we you, don't. You can't get your fingernail yeah, down exactly. in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you're yeah. right. But so so soil prep is, is the key. Yeah. And, um, then, and then, again, checking your pH. Yeah, and then and you're right. That's what I was going to bring up. And I know we got to go to a break here. Um, but, guys, we'll, we'll, we'll finish talking about fescue when we get back we got about 10 minutes, uh, you know, when we get back before we go to another break. But if you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926. That's Welcome back, everybody, to Mid-South Gardening. If you want to give us a call this morning, 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926, or 844-747-8868. And I apologize, I am laughing my head off. because <laughs> showing, showing a picture of my parrot, you know, and it, it finally got it recorded where it's saying, help, help, free the birds, you know. <laughs> and then a little further on it goes, kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's got to be the smartest bird I've ever seen uh, in my life. I, I'm not sure about that, but uh, you know. oh, that is too funny. Uh, and we were talking about uh, fescue, and like I said, I'll get off this subject in just a minute. But but I like grass, okay? And I want to see if people want grass up under a tree, I want them to be able to plant it up under that tree. So rough over it up. and over. Yes, Jim, <laughs> and you're right. I don't mention that, but yeah, you'll you know, have to reseed so. Fescue up under the trees, guys. Uh, like Jim was saying, prep work is the biggest thing. Now, when it comes to lime and fertilizer, uh, pH, you can lime the same day you put your seed down. Mm-hmm. You can put a non-burning new lawn starter or, or organic fertilizer the same day you put your seed down. But the only thing the seed needs to germinate is, is moisture, okay? Whether you lime it or feed it, that has nothing to do with really germination, okay? But make sure you keep that moisture on there. And like I said, it usually comes up in about 10 days, 2 weeks. And there's also a product called Soil Activator comes in a 20-pound bag. That bag would cover about 2,000 square feet. And all it is is just really granulated humic acid. Uh, it is fescue's best friend, I'm telling you. It's a great product to use uh, on fescue. Now, like you said, Jim, earlier, fescue grows in the season that's completely opposite of Bermuda and Zoysia. Mm-hmm. It's a cool season grass. It looks great in the fall, the winter, and the spring when it's cool, Right. When it starts to get hot in the summertime, it doesn't go dormant, for say. It goes semi-dormant. kind of just sits there. And you've got to keep it watered in the summertime. You have to, or you're going to lose it. About two inches a week, or you're going to lose it. Right. And even that, you're going to lose some of it. So every fall, be prepared to overseed your fescue lawn just to perpetuate it from year to year. And if you do all those things, uh, you can actually have a good-looking lawn um, you know, up under the shade trees. Now, the last thing I want to mention is there are a lot of fescues on the market out there. In fact, there are hundreds of them on the market. Um, the ones that we sell, and I'll tell you why, is either five-star fescue or five-star extreme. Uh, five-star fescue is a blended fescue, Jim, as you know. It's got five hybrid fescues blended together. And those are five hybrid fescues that have strong traits of their own, right, that do the best in this area. You know, they all do okay in Kansas City and Michigan, you know, but they're not as many that do that well this far south. So five-star fescue, and then there's a newer one called five-star extreme that is also a blended fescue, but it can actually tolerate even deeper shade uh, than just regular five-star fescue. Yeah, it's got some rough fescue in it, a little coarser grass. You know, when we talk about five-star, it's uh, each year, well, these grasses grow th- go through trials, and they're looking at disease resistance, <clears throat> shade tolerance, traffic tolerance. Right. Um, early green up. Early green up. Um, and so uh, they take each year the five best and available, obviously, right, uh, and blend these together, and so you get the best of all traits. So if one doesn't do quite as well, you've got the other ones there, and they all look alike to you, right? You know, to most people. So, right. Uh, now, when you get to the the uh, five star extreme, it's got a little rougher grass in it, so you're going to see some that's a little wider blade than some, and there'll be some thin blade stuff But in that's there why too. it can tolerate even deeper that's shade, right. though, because you have that wider blade, Jim, to collect any sunlight that does that's, that's happen to get up key, under that tree, right? Know, and the, in fact, that, that carries over even into houseplants, because Typically, the bigger, the wider the leaf, the lower light it's evolved in. So it they make the bigger the leaf, the better houseplant you have right. for a low-light situation. 
thinner leaves give you or have evolved in most cases in full sun or extremely bright light. So anyway, um, one of the things, though, that I think people really mess up with fescue is fertilizing. It doesn't take as much fertilizer as it does for Bermuda and zoysia. Right. It also doesn't want fertilizer during the summer when you're fertilizing your other grasses. Right. So, you know, usually two applications a year, one in the spring, one in the fall, if you're using a good slow-release fertilizer, uh, is all the fertilizer that you're going to need. Yep. Okay. So just don't overfeed it. Don't over mow it during the summertime. Pump the water to it, mm-hmm. and you can have a pretty decent lawn in the shade. There you go. And a lot of people, you know, that's a big thing, you know, just trying to get something to grow up under these trees. I know there's ground covers and there's other things you can do, but if you want grass, a lot of times you almost have to go with fescue. Yeah, and we talk when we come back, you know, for our next segment. We're going to talk about two overseeding it because we had a question come up on the Facebook group here that uh, is it okay to overseed ryegrass on her zoysia? All righty, we'll talk about that when we get back from the break, guys. No time we're doing this right here. That's why. garden help you need now mid-south gardening powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder hey welcome back everybody to mid-south gardening if you want to give us a call 260-5926-260-5926 or 844-747-8868 i know we got barbara on line one but barbara hang on for just a second our good friend and uh, host of the show, Miss Veda Vance. Mr. Jim, she'll be here next weekend. Right. But I do have Mr. Jim Crowder with me. Jim, good morning to you. Good morning, Kenneth. And you've got a really famous, big Facebook page thing. What is it? Okay. <laughs> it's our Facebook group by the same name, Mid-Seth Gardening. Uh, if you're not a member, we encourage you to join. It's a great place for you to share photos of your own garden, look at other people's gardens, <clears throat> learn about some different plants that you may not be familiar with. Amen. Yeah. You can send in, you can post pictures with questions. You can just post questions. Um, and there's no drama at all. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great place, really. You know, um, we don't, allow posting any pictures except your own right um what we discourage is people looking up information about plants that they know nothing about and then giving that information to somebody else well how else would we learn mr jim if we didn't do that you know what we want to learn is from people who have actually done it and actually know what they're talking about now sometimes people are misinformed you know uh, but so you have to you know you have to look at every answer to make sure you're comfortable with it um you know if something is terribly wrong i'll usually step in and go oh well you know 
don't do that. Yeah. You know? Okay. Don't eat this mushroom. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <know>? So, <laughs> but it's a great source of information. It though. really is. Yeah, and to brag and put your pictures up there and. Yeah. You know, it really is. And that was, what's it called again, Jim? Um, it's called Mid-South Gardening, just like this radio program. Mm-hmm. We appreciate everybody getting up and joining us this morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. If, um, you know, tell your friends. But, you know, if you sleep late, we do have every one of them is recorded. You can go to the kwamradio.com, kwamradio.com, and listen to the podcast at your convenience. And you can go to Facebook Live now, which on the Mighty 990 uh, shoot us a text, and then, of course, you can give us a call, 901-260-5926 or 844-747-8868. And that's what Barbara did. And let's go to Miss Barber. Good morning to you, Miss Barber. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Hello. Hey, Barbara. Good morning to you. Good morning to y'all, too. I was calling. I just had a new flower bed tilled in, mm-hmm. and I'm putting some peonies in it, mm-hmm. but once I get the plants in it, I want in it, what do I need to use for a mulch? It's just on a slight incline. Okay. Um, it really doesn't matter what you, it's more your personal preference. Pine needles stay where they are pretty well. I use okay. cypress mulch because it locks down pretty well also, and I like the lighter color. But the main thing is <clears throat> as soon as it begins to warm up in the spring, get whatever mulch you've got away from those crowns. Okay, You don't mm-hmm. want to cover those because they need to be at or above ground level. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so But you're saying just, that, but is it okay to lightly cover them with pine needles in the, in the winter? With pine needles, yes. Yeah. Now, I would not cover the crown totally with, with, with anything. wood mulch, yeah. Yeah. Now, there are some perennials that you could get away with that, but most perennials don't want wet stuff sitting in the crown through the winter. So, Barbara, I guess, I mean, what Jim is saying is, you know, a – a pine straw, the beauty of it is it's very light, it's airy, it doesn't hold a lot of moisture, and it's not heavy, you know? Right. Uh, but if you use any other type of mulch, whether it's the cypress, the cedar, the pine, or the hardwood, uh, or even, you know, a rubber mulch, uh, those are all okay, oh, too. Forbid. Yeah, I know, but there is a, such a thing, Jim. I just <laughs> want to bring it up that just make sure that you're not just covering the crowns of these pennies because... Um, you know, they a you don't want to rot them, and b is you know if they're too deep, uh, you know they're not going to bloom for you. So, but any of those mulchers are fine. Just don't overdo any of them. Okay, I won't. And another thing, <clears throat> Jim, I'm excuse me, losing my voice, but I went out to the botanic garden yesterday to buy some of their potting soil. Uh-huh. But they say they no longer have it. They're not getting in all the ingredients oh. for it. Okay. Yeah, and that, that could be a supply issue, too, yeah. So. Uh-huh, that's what I thought. Yeah. But I was disappointed. I wanted so. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is a good blend. But, you know, you can make your own, you know, just depending on what you what you like. Uh, in fact, I did a little thing on, on the Facebook group where I blend a lot of soil perfecter with the soil that I was doing for my cacti. So it's about 50% potting soil and about 50% soil perfecter. So it drains very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can modify your soil if it's not exactly like you want. But you know, I'm sorry to hear that they're not doing that. But yeah, and there are some good potting soils in bags, also, yes. Barbara. Yeah. You know, there's the you know the Happy Frog, the Ocean Forest, the Faffords, um, 
I mean, there you can still buy some good blended potting soils also in, in a bag. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Well, I'll go to a nursery today. If I get in Memphis, I will be there by You got it, Barbara. And we appreciate the phone call. Thanks for calling, Barbara. And have a great weekend, my dear. Um, and we do have uh, Jamie and we got Steve. I guess we'll go ahead and let's go ahead and get these callers, Mr. Jim. Sure. Let's yeah. go to Steve uh, first. Steve, good morning to you, buddy. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Hey, Steve. Are you there? Steve, can you hear me? Okay. Right. Well, let's He has go a question Jamie. about chemicals, but he can give us a call back. Okay. Uh, unless he's there now. And let's go to Jamie. Hey, Jamie, good morning to you. Good morning, sir. How are you, How sir? Are How are you feeling? Well, well, feeling pretty good. Thank you. One of the things, I, I'm not taking away from the inside plants or whatever, but anyway, I want to let you know that uh, they had a meeting Thursday and look like the spring fling will be a in-person spring fling. Cool. As in the past. So anyway, I and I'm, I'm fixing that to get busy, and I want to get that information to you. Uh, Mr. Paul and all the other vendors who have been so good to us all over the years uh, look forward to this. So anyway, it will be an in-person uh, spring fling this year, it appears. That's great. great. And, and um, you guys are still – will you still take <laughs> donations through the winter of plants over at the greenhouse? Well, yes, sir. They're still doing that, and uh, it's – it's located on East Parkway. I wish I knew the number, but I don't. Okay. But well, try, try the Master Gardener office. And yeah. Give you the, All yeah. right. We'll get that and get it posted on the website so that uh, uh, so that the plant, if you've got extra plants and just need, they can take them and do some propagation, and it really helps uh, raise money for the Master Gardeners. That's so. right. All right. Yes, sir. Jamie, thanks Thank for calling. God. Thanks, Jamie. We always appreciate the phone call, buddy. And let's try to go to Steve again one more time. Steve, are you there, bud? Yeah, I'm here. How are y'all? Doing? We're doing right. great, Steve. Appreciate the phone call. What's going on this morning? Um, I have a, a question. I'm I'm getting old, can't remember. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yes, sir. Uh, we used to use a product called Anzar. Yep. And I forget now, was it, I know it was something you put out on the yard. Was it a, a weed killer? Or? Yeah, it was. It's MSMA, monosodium metharsenate, and it was a great product. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, uh, if you want to hang up, we'll talk about the story in, uh, of Anzar and what happened to it and what we have to replace it. That's right. All right. Can I have one more question? Sure, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, burning bush. Uh how do you prune that? I mean, they're just really getting large. Can you, can you, just... you can go out there blindfolded, <laughs> um, Steve, and cut this thing back. It's a type of euonymus. It's a euonymus allotus, Jim. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's just, a, you know, it's just a nondescript green shrub for most of the season. And then when fall comes around, cooler temperatures, you get that beautiful red foliage. But right. as far as pruning those things, Steve, uh, man, you can you can tear them up, not a problem. You can cut all the way to the ground and let it come back if you want. Okay. In fact, if you you don't have to go very far north before you you find their band. A lot of the throughout New England, they can't you cannot buy a burning bush because it's so invasive in the wild. Kind of like you can't buy a privet around here, right? Okay. Uh, just uh. I was curious, and, and I remember the the Anzar we used to use. Yeah. Or, and yeah. I 
never heard anybody call it Anzar anymore. Yeah, well, yeah. we'll talk about that, Steve, also, buddy. Okay. All right, appreciate the phone call, Steve, as always. Good to hear from you. But we got to go to a break. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get back. And i uh, got a, a text from Audrey I need to reply to. Jim, and we'll talk about some other things that we talked about. Uh, but if you want to give us a call, guys, 901-260-5926 or 844-747-8868. Call with your garden questions now, 844-747-8868. This is Mid-South Gardening. So Google says all you need to do to surf the Internet privately is turn on their incognito mode in your browser. And we're really supposed to trust big tech with solutions to our online privacy, right? Yeah, wrong. It doesn't matter what browser mode you use or how often you clear your browsing history. Your Internet service provider, ISP, can see every single website you've ever visited, and they can even sell your data to advertisers. That's why I use ExpressVPN to keep my online data secure and private. ExpressVPN makes sure your ISP and third-party trackers can't see your online activity or location by rerouting your connection through a secure, encrypted server. It's an incredible service. Protect your online activity today with the VPN I trust to keep me private. Visit expressvpn.com starns and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com starns to learn more. Hey, welcome back to Mid-South Gardening, everyone. If you want to give us a call this morning, it's really easy, 901-260-5926 or 844-747-8868. And we had some callers, Jim, this morning, and Steve just called a while ago, and he mentioned the word uh, Anzar, Anzar, or the old Drexar. Remember that? Yep. And you and said we're it was... going to tell you the story about what happened. And there. it was MSMA, which was monosodium acid methoracinate, which was the best stuff in the world for crabgrass, Right. right. Originally, um, there was a company here called Ansel Chemical Company, and they sold MSMA, which was a four-pound active ingredient, about 30%, 32% or so uh, MSMA, monosodium methoracinate. Uh-huh. And, and, but it was made by the Drexel Chemical Company. They had an MSA, MSMA plant here in, yeah. in the Mid-South. So they had it packaged. Well, Ansel Chemical Company got bought by Diamond Shamrock. It was, here in Memphis, a great product. We sold pallets of it to mm-hmm. stores. Homeowners. And, and then, but to, to Diamond Shamrock, it was an insignificant amount of business. So they decided we're not going to package it, sell it, do the rights on it or any of that. Well, to Drexel Chemical Company, it was a good product, right. you know, and they were making it for agricultural use also. So they decided, well, let's package it for the homeowners. Right? Well, my ex-boss that I work with, wonderful man who's since passed, Harry Baird, mm-hmm. uh, they were talking. He said, well, let's just name it Drexar yeah. for Drexel Chemical Company. And it was Anzar 529. 529 was the surfactant that was in it. And they couldn't use that, so they changed it to Drexar 530. I remember all that. Okay. So... In fact, Mr. Baird was instrumental in getting the barcode for it because, you know, at that time, the Kmarts were the blower and goers. You know, we would sell them pallets of them, you know, uh, every week. 
Um, so anyway, and that's this is the beginning of this, this was product, right. You know? This was yeah. Drexar 530, and yeah. so it was great. And then you had like Central Hardware came out with a product called Czar C Z A R. Now it was a two pound active. It was half, it was half as strong, the yeah, right. But you know it was promoted just like it was the same thing. So anyway, um, then of course the EPA got involved. Okay, when because he, of the arsenic in there, Jim. It's what it's you know the arsenic that tends to scare people, okay? Right. But there are two types of, of arsenic. So there's an inorganic and an organic. One will kill you, one won't, okay? Well, in this case, Drexar was an organic. I mean, it was not going to be an issue. Kind of like the same arsenic that's in liquid seaweed, for example. Right. You know? um, it's in a lot of stuff. It's yeah. in most all vegetables that you eat, okay? Yeah. Um, but anyway, the EPA was doing some testing, and they found arsenic in some golf course ponds in Florida. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well... Because they had been using that product, or been a product similar to in, that, on the golf courses. Right, because okay. it was great for grasses. If you mow your lawn, fray the top of that grass, put the the MSMA on, by late afternoon it is curling up and dying. <laughs> I mean, it was great. That's right. So, anyway... They said, oh, this arsenic is getting into the water. Well, it was, but it was not a, the toxic type arsenic. But that didn't, the people who were making the decisions are not, were not scientists. Mm-hmm. They were uh, people. And- yes. So anyway, uh, that's a nice name for them. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah. They decided that they were going to ban it for homeowner use because there was this fear that it would back siphon through a hose in sprayer where you not weren't supposed to use it in a hose and sprayer anyway. And then get back into the water supply. Right. And but and and then they said, well, it may change to inorganic arsenic. And doesn't happen. It's never happened, but they said it might. Unbelievable. So anyway, it mm-hmm. was taken off the market for homeowners. Now And that if, was years ago. Yes. If you go into a farm store, you can still buy MSMA, the four pound active ingredient, even a six pound active ingredient mm-hmm. for or I mean, for for cotton and soybeans and mm-hmm. whatever else you has on the label, it does not have a lawn label. So they took that label off. That's right. So it's not approved for use in um, people's lawns, right? But some people go and use it anyway. But you know, you're it, it can be an issue. Okay, further down the road. Um, but that's amazing, Jim. That you were—I mean, you and Harry Barrett—y'all were around when it, the you know, the beginning of this product. That's right. Yeah. All right. So now that MSMA is more or less gone for homeowner use, mm-hmm. uh, and mostly we used MSMA to kill grassy type weeds, didn't we? Crabgrass, Dallas yeah. grass, those type of weeds. Now it would still burn broadleaf weeds. It, it would, and it would, you know, it would knock the tops off of nuts edge okay. you know, take multiple but mostly for crabgrass so, yeah. um, but now that msma more or less is, is gone off the market been off the market the products that we can use uh to do more or less the same thing uh there's weed out with quinclorac quinclorac is the the grass killer and you use that product typically in the spring and in the fall when the temperatures are below 89 degrees. Yeah, and one of the things, if you read the label closely, <clears throat> which so few people ever do, no, yeah, uh, <laughs> it says that you know it kills young crabgrass, mature right. crabgrass 
may actually not be killed. Right. It will yellow it some, but it's not very good. But quinclorac is really what they pushed out to take the place of MSMA. Yeah, but so often it's combined with... A broadleaf weed killer. Right, which you can't spray in the hot weather. Right. So and then the other useless in the, the other two products, Jim, other than quinclorac, um, and Steve, if you're still listening, Image. Image does a decent job. It's a good product. On uh, crabgrass, and you can use it in the summertime. On broadleaf weeds, on nutsedge. That's right, but it, you, you better be patient because yeah. it's going to work slow. And it may take multiple applications <laughs> on some things. It will even suppress... Virginia buttonweed, and if you stay on top of it, eventually it'll get it. I didn't know anything would, but there you go. Yeah. And then uh, lastly, there is a Fertilone product called uh, Weed Out with Nutsedge Killer. Uh, and it's got the sulfurentrazone in it, Jim, and, and a pre-emergent. And it does a okay job also on nutgrass, broadleaf weeds, and grassy weeds, kind of like the image does. So there are other products out there. But that was a great story that you just said, just told about the old MSMA, the Anzar Drexar, and why it's not on the shelves anymore. Yep. Great um, product. Mm. All right, guys, we got to run into a break here in just a minute. Uh, you can sure to give us a call, 260-5926. Hey, welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. If you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926-901-260-5926, or Mr. Jim, 844-747-8868. That's Kenneth Mabry sitting across there. He is uh, the guru over at Danvis Garden Center Pauper. My name is Jim Crowder. I am a retired nurseryman, and I'm administrator of our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening, which I encourage you to join. Great group. Yep. And um, in the rest of the time, I am, as I like to call it, a recliner liner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do a lot of reading, though. <laughs> there you go, Jim. That's the key right there. Yeah. Uh, at Dan West Garden Centers, guys, uh, we are really in the fall mode now. Yeah. We've got about 400 flats of pansies and violas in, Jim, in the last three or four days. People are really starting to buy them. The last two or three days, we've gone crazy as far as uh, selling uh, violas and pansies. And, uh, you know, the ornamental cabbage, the ornamental kale. I mean, it's just... Uh, and I just hate it because my son patients look absolutely gorgeous it. right I now. And I've got to pull <laughs> some stuff up, I know, to get ready for... I mean, but now is the time to do yeah. it, you know. And, uh, and remember, I encourage you not to pull them up. Cut them off. Leave the roots in the ground. Let them, they've already penetrated the ground. They're breaking that soil up, and they're going to be organic matter in there. I got you, and you may have to dig around them a little bit, you know, or chop them up some when you plant them. But, 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 you, but them don't be so concerned like I always have been about getting that whole root system out of there right. on the bedding plants that I put in in the spring. That's right? good organic stuff. Yeah. Um, really quick, Jim, uh, Audrey lover, uh, Fielding had texted in. She said, when should I bring in Kenneth's favorite flowers, my poinsettias? Well, Audrey, you're right. That is surely not my favorite flower. Um, and, and Kenneth said, just leave them out. They'll be fine. Yeah, just leave them outside. <laughs> yeah, they'll make it through the winter, Audrey. You don't have to take them in. 
But if you want to, you know, a living room full, full of white flies, then yeah, go ahead and bring them inside, right, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> Poinsettias. Oh, and that's the story that, you know, in my backyard, my mother had them back there and I was cutting the grass and I saw them over there and I saw this white cloud of white fly around both of them. And they were beautiful plants, by the way. And I was like, Mm-mm, these things have got yeah, to They've go. never been one of my favorite plants because, you know, I still think in the background, they're weeds. They are just weeds that grow across Mexico. Yeah. And we've just kind of made them look a little prettier, a little bigger flowers. Now, Jim, I don't mind them being in the house, you yeah. know, during the Christmas season. I mean, that's part when of we Christmas. Had reds and whites and pinks and marbles, that was great. But now they're getting glitter to the point and where blue. they're blue yeah. and glitter, and it's just, this is not right. Yeah, it doesn't make <laughs> You shouldn't sense. do that to a plant. I agree with you. <laughs> All right, Jim, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, we we're talking about uh, fescue, uh, how this is the time of year, really the best time of year, early spring being the next best time. But this is the best time of year to get that fescue out up under these trees. But there's also a seed out there that you can sow this time of year called ryegrass. Annual ryegrass. And what's the difference between, say, really rye and fescue, and what do we do with ryegrass? Well, annual ryegrass is a one-shot deal. That's the most important thing. Now, there are perennial ryegrasses also, but they here in the Memphis area, they don't perform very well. Right. Um, they do well up when you get into cooler areas, but they're just not the best grass for here. And they're a little coarser-looking. Uh, but annual ryegrass does a couple of things, okay? It gives you green during the wintertime. Okay? So it's just a winter-type, a cool-season right. grass. I, I had a customer back years ago who had a beautiful zoysia lawn, mm. but she had some shade, and she had fescue in that area. Right. But she didn't like during the wintertime having brown and green. So the uh, zoysia went dormant in the winter, right. and the fescue was still green up under the trees. So, so she had that green and would, brown combo. I got she you. would overseed annual ryegrass over it. Now, what does it do to your do to your zoysia? Well, one thing, or Bermuda, I guess, you got to really sow it heavy because it's such a thick turf. It's hard to get the grass to grow in there. Uh, but if you overseed it, it will give you green throughout the wintertime, okay? And, and it, if it burns back in the cold, it'll pop right back up here when it starts to mild up. Some. Because now ryegrass is just going to be a winter a one, grass. One-shot deal. It looks when great it gets, in the fall, the winter, and the spring, and then it, it burns hot, out. It's gone. So it's a nice thing. Now, when you sow that, it's actually going to open up a little area there where the that seed went in. So you're more prone to weeds the next year. Uh, but in, you the, know, in the zoysia or the Bermuda that you put it in. Right. But it's still, you know, if you want green year-round, it's a great thing to do. Uh, um, so is there any other drawback overseeding your Bermuda or zoysia lawn with ryegrass other than potentially you know setting yourself up for a few more weeds in in your lawn personally i think not okay i've heard people in fact we had somebody mention that it increased thatch it doesn't do that okay right. um it dies and it's gone right um so it's, it's what about really, does it does it prolong the bermuda or zoysia from greening up in the spring if it's taller it may yeah. okay because it keeps sunlight from warming up the soil but that's still not a problem though no because uh, you're still, you know, you're you're wanting green, and you really don't care which one it is. You just want green. 
So, you know, it's not a problem. Now, most people don't do it anymore, but it's great for erosion control if you've right. got a muddy area. Uh, if you're planning on seeding Bermuda next year, and, mm-hmm. but you can't until the soil gets really warm. So it's a, you can sow it a couple of times if you need to. Have grass up until you get to the point where you can sow your Bermuda or Yeah, or and it's usually hardly inexpensive also. In fact, yesterday a young lady had called up, and she had some yard work done. There were, uh, you know, one of the drain pipes had messed up, Jim. So they got out there with a little backhoe and dug a trench from the house to the street, fixed the pipes, put all the dirt back. And of course, it was nothing but just a mud hole out mm-hmm. there, you know, uh, for there again from the house to the street where they had uh, dug the, the front yard up. And she had uh, Bermuda grass out there. Well, like you said, this is not the time of year to put Bermuda grass down because it's too cool. Uh, so, but they, she wanted to put something down just to not have that mud there right. until next mid-May when she can put Bermuda seed down. And that's where she put the, the annual rye down, knowing that it's just going to be a winter-type grass like you're talking about. So there are some really good uses uh, for, of course, ryegrass, even though it's strictly, like you said, a one-shot deal. Mm-hmm. Now, having it's said— a, It's a good green manure in your vegetable garden. Cover crop. Just seed it over there, let it grow, and then till it in in the spring. And keep in mind, guys, also, you know, even though there's a good bit of seeding going on, whether it's fescue for the shade or ryegrass for just wintergrass, Jim, we're also putting a lot of pre-emergence down this time of year. And that's good because the pre-emergents are going to keep a lot of the fall and winter weed seeds from coming up. Chickweed, henbit, poana, those kind of things. But you've got to be careful because that's it right. will also keep ryegrass and fescue from coming up. Mm-hmm. So anywhere, guys, that you think you're going to put grass seed down, uh, if you are this fall, do not put a pre-emergent down in those same areas, and it, and it happens all the time. Right. People would come into the garden center and go, Kenny, you know, I put some fescue down, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, then I put some more down a couple of weeks ago, and I don't see anything coming up. Well, a lot of times, you know, we get to talking about it. Uh, yeah, sure enough, maybe they didn't do it, but the lawn care company came out and put that pre-emergent down, mm-hmm. Jim. <laughs> you don't have any seed coming up after that. That's right, and the only way to get it is, you know, if it's been done recently, is to go in there and break the soil surface up. I mean, basically till it, <clears throat> and even then you may get your grass stunted some. By how they work, they will even stunt the, mm-hmm. the root the new of, growth of good grass, mm-hmm. okay, like your Bermuda. Uh, you know, we talked several times about back in the 70s when we had all the Bermuda uh, greens on the golf courses killed in this town. And it was because, one, they cut it very low. Two, they had applied a pre-emerge. Well, but, they, but they do that typically anyway, right. though, cut they it low, had, right. They had applied a pre-emerge, and that actually inhibits root development. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had had a very dry season. And then on top of that, we got temperatures cold, cold. below zero. So, Perfect scenario. Yep, just killed all those Bermudas. Now, if you had left it tall, you know, the guy who didn't take care of his lawn came through just lovely. Yeah, no. It's the guy who really took good care of his lawn. He lost it all. So. <laughs> but but I'm a firm believer in putting pre-emergence down. And, Jim, like you always say, you'll do it three or four times a year. Yeah. I think you say four times a year about every three months. Yep. Because when you put a pre-emergent down and water it in, that's what activates the product, Okay. And it's only going to last so long, Mm -hmm. and that's usually about 90 days. Uh, And so you can come back, you know, every three months and put it down. And if you keep doing that, guys, you're going to have 
I mean, you're going to control over 90% of the weeds that you typically have in your lawn. Right. Now, not every weed comes up from a seed. There are some that come back from a root. Mm-hmm. Virginia buttonweed, violets, but they also come up from seed. Right. So by default, Jim, you're you're still reducing the number. You got about a once you get on a good program, you got about a year to go through to get everything, most everything out of your your turf, right? Uh, either the established weeds or by starting with the pre-emerge, preventing seed from coming up. So you know, figure you're going to go through a season, and and you're going to have some things that were just make you nuts they'll mm-hmm. still try to get in there uh if you've got water running through an area that will significantly decrease the length of your coverage so you'll see nutsedge a lot of times come up in those areas where water you know during a range just runs right through your lawn now do you th- go ahead i'm sorry because it can it can it'll just take your pre-emerge out you know because it's just repeatedly it's diluting it yeah now will and dimension is the product that i like uh, the high yield weed and grass stopper that contains dimension the beauty of that product jim is it you can surely use it in your lawn but you can also apply it to your flower beds mm-hmm. where, you know, years ago you'd have to buy one for the lawn and then something else for the beds. Well, this one you can use in both. Right. Now, you don't want to use it in any vegetable beds. But you mentioned nutgrass also. Do you think the, the dimension uh, will control some of those nuts that are underground? No. Because it's not a seed, right? N- well, you have a lot of the annual stuff is coming up from seed, and it will help control those. That it will. Right, but it will not do anything for the ones that are coming up from roots or from nuts. There you're going to have to use a post-emerge of some type. Now, it does kill crabgrass up to about the three-leaf stage. So let's say it's rained the entire month of March and you haven't been able to get out of pre-emerge. Um, if you get it out in April, even if the crabgrass has already germinated and it's young, it, it can still control it. Uh, but other weeds, you're probably not going to have much success with. You're still going to have to use a pre-emerge. Perfect. Uh, post-emerge. All right, guys, we got to run to a break. Uh, we'll be back after these messages. We appreciate you getting up with us. You're listening to Mid-South Gardening. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Mid-South Gardening. If you have a gardening question, you can surely give us a call. Toll-free, 844-747-8868. That's 844-747-8868. And, Jim, the local number, 901-260-5926. We welcome our affiliates across the the South right now that are listening in this morning. Uh, Please send us a message and let us know. Go to... Um, to our Facebook group, Mid-South Gardening, and uh, tell us what you think about the radio program. Yeah, and then you can go to the uh, Facebook, Mighty 990, Jim, and if you want to shoot us a text, and yep. you said KWAM.com. KWAMradio.com. Uh, podcast there. I mean, it's all the information you want. Yep. So we appreciate that, guys. Uh, Jim, some things that we will talk about, we've got a, you know, a, a little bit more time. we only got about a eight, six or eight minutes before the hour's up here. But uh, and I know we're going to get to some fruit trees here yeah, in a we'll second. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. But you know there are bulbs that we want to uh, cover at some point during the show. Uh, the the fall type fertilizers, you know, we can talk about, and then also uh, some winter pruning. You know, that's a big topic for a lot of people, especially when it comes to roses and those kind of things. And then lastly, when all the little insects that are outside want to make their way inside, you know, especially when it starts to get a little cool and a little wet. 
uh, people seem, you know, they get a little nervous about all that. So we can talk about some remedies for that also. Yep. But when it comes to fruit trees, Jim, there are regions, I should say, in the country where fruit trees might do a lot better than they do maybe here in the Mid-South? Pretty much anywhere else in the country <laughs> than here so, in the Mid-South. all I'm saying is if you're growing fruit trees here in the Mid-South, uh, God bless you. I, I applaud you because there are so many things that can go wrong with a fruit tree, right? Right. And we're not saying don't plant them. Don't no. get me wrong. But they be prepared if you do they are, go out. They have to be maintained. But fall is such a good time to plant them. You know, so we talked about touched on this a little bit yesterday with Tim Van Horn, but when I first got into business, there wasn't any container-grown fruit trees to speak of. We bought bare-rooted whips that were sometimes seven feet tall and mm-hmm. potted them ourselves. They came in in bundles in the fall, and they had no soil on them, and they did, they did great. And so the fall is a good time. If you're buying even a container-type tree, you can nearly bare root the thing, you know, wash the soil off right. of it, spread those roots out, cut right. the ones that look like they're maybe circling in there, because if you don't, they're going to give you trouble 10, 15 years down the road, okay? So, you know, get those roots spread out, dig your hole good and wide, not very deep, and and put put it back in there and they're going to be fine all right but you're going against the grain when you say that because you know so many times you hear people say all right i bought a container grown tree mm-hmm. and they say of course take it out of the container but try not to disturb those roots at all yeah but that's a, with but on a tr- fruit tree fruit trees are, it's a little different okay you, you don't have a whole lot of foliage on them they're young trees that's right and you can bear root them i mean it's it's easy to do now yeah. if you're buying a 15 gallon oak tree Ooh. i would not do that right exactly okay. Uh, but for young fruit trees, it's a great way to spread those roots out, and it will really make you a healthier tree down the road. And, and like I say, anything that's – if it's real big and it doesn't want to straighten out, but it's circled all the way around that, um, you know, go down, leave some roots on it, but cut that thing, break it so that it actually generates more roots there. And, and it'll be fine. Now, the thing to remember, too, with fruit trees is don't let them bear until they're about four or five years old. Don't even – let them do it. Right. Once they bloom, if they set fruit, pull those fruits off immediately. It's going to be hard to do. It takes an awful lot of energy to produce that fruit. And on a young tree, it it's just wasted. You need that energy to go to growth. All okay? right. So if I buy a five or seven gallon fruit tree, and mm-hmm. that fruit tree is already six foot tall, Jim, mm-hmm. get it planted the right way in a lot of sun, well-drained soil like you're talking about. I get it planted the right way. Uh, even on a tree of that size, I still don't want to think about harvesting anything for at least at least a couple years. You said I would. I'm still any container grown tree, a fruit tree. Once you put it in the ground, I would say don't have any fruit on it for four years. Okay, well there you go. Okay, just don't let it fruit. Uh, even if you let one fruit set thinking i just want to grow one yeah I just, just want taste one. that one it, right it's still the plant changes what it does plants are have a one-track mind they will think about growing then they stop thinking about growing and they think about reproducing mm. so it changes what the plant is geared to do so take those take that fruit off so no Let, fudging at all nope no fudging whatsoever and you'll get a better tree also remember that they need some pruning when they're young to build the scaffolding to support the huge amount of weight they're going to mm-hmm. have when they have lots of fruit. Mm-hmm. And once they start setting fruit, 
try to thin them out to about one fruit for every 10 to 12 inches. If you leave that thing just covered in fruit, you're going to, one, break limb. Well, that's going to be hard to do also. Right. You're going to have to put boards under them to prop them up, but you'll get a better quality fruit, uh, and it's a lot it's a lot easier to take care of. You're asking people to do a whole lot, Jim. When I it comes it, to taking it, off perfectly good fruit. I know. It hurts. It does. But you'll have better fruit. You really will. And uh, we'll dive into this a little more when we get back from the break, Jim, because now some of the fruit trees, you've always told me, they need another fruit tree out there to pollinate the right yes, way. Yes, they do. And that's a pretty important factor when it comes to a, you know increasing a yield. Or okay? having any yield. Oh, <laughs> Well, we appreciate everybody listening in and tuning in this morning. If you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926 or 844-747-8868. We'll be back after these messages. garden help you need now mid-south gardening powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder hey welcome back everybody to mid-south gardening if you have a question mr jim they can give us a call at 844-747-8868 or 901-260-5926 love to hear from you this morning how else can they get in touch with us jim oh they can go to our facebook group um, Mid-South Gardening. They can go to Facebook and watch us live. Uh, you, can go, you can stream us live at kwamradio.com anywhere in the world. And, and real quick, you've got a, uh, and we've talked about this all the time, but I love for to talk about it. You've got a, uh, a Facebook page the also. Facebook group called Mid-South Gardening by the same name. And uh, we've got uh, 7,200 members now, I think. It's crazy. Uh, a lot of active ones, but a lot of people just read and learn, and that's the whole point of it. When I retired the first time in <laughs> 2015 or so, I thought, you know, I got all this information that I've learned from customers yeah. uh, and from being in this business forever. Trial and, and you know, I, I just like to share it. It's yeah. my time kind of to give back. Um, so I thought, well, I'll just eventually decided I'd start a Facebook group. Yeah. And I, I've never been a Facebook person. Didn't get on it until uh, 2018 or so well. when I was trying to uh, – I was – trying to buy birds from a lady up in Illinois or someplace. And the only way she would talk to you is through Facebook. Wow. So so I, you had to by default. To, right. You know, so, and anyway, um, I didn't use it for anything else. So, and well, then, it is a great, Jim, I've looked at it every time I get on Facebook. 2019, I said, well, let's just start this. We started with 11 members. Right. And uh, now we're, like I said, over 7,200 members. And we really appreciate it. And everybody seems to enjoy it and love for you to be part of Good it. Good Lord, 7,000. So you see, you get a lot of uh, a lot of pictures, a lot of posts, a lot of questions right. with 7,000 right. people it, on You know, there. when you take pictures of your plants that have done well it that's a learning experience for everybody that takes a look at them you know they can say oh you know they've used this plant they've done it here and i'd like to do it here it's real people real stuff you know, if you copy a picture off the internet, I will find out. There you I'll go. I'll delete it. <laughs> uh, uh, Jim, you were talking about fruit trees, and uh, 
you know, whether it's, I guess, pears do okay here and peaches and apples and plums and nectarines and even some cherries. Um, yeah, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over here cringing with well, some of Well, but I mean, but is there, are there some that you prefer over others? Well. I mean, as far the, as just typically growing here, here in the Mid-South. Here in the Mid-South, the easiest to grow pears. Okay. okay. And with the least problems. Okay. Um, then when you get into apples, um, there are a lot of disease issues. Uh, cedar apple rust being a big one because we have so many what they call cedars they're actually red junipers but they're an alternate host for cedar apple rust so if you've got an apple tree and a cedar tree anywhere near each other you're going to get cedar apple rust right so they they're an issue with peach trees you're going to get peach tree borers Mm -hmm. it's just it happens so you've got to be prepared for these things um, cherries are a little more difficult. Cherries, nectarines, uh, apricots, mm-hmm. a lot of those bloom so early that they quite often we don't get fruits on them. Um, and that's really important when you're buying a fruit tree is know what's called the chilling hours. Uh, chilling hours is the, the number of days during the wintertime that temperatures mm-hmm. above 32 but below like 45. And... Some plants are kicked into bloom once they reach those number of hours. So if you buy a tree that, say, in fact, uh, just something, particularly if it's got the word Florida in it, beware. Um, but, it, you know, like a Flora King or something like that. If you, it's It's got a very short chilling hour so that it will bloom early and produce fruit. But here, that same tree wants to bloom when it's still really cold here. Right. So you want to make sure that you've got something in the seven, eight, nine hundred, close to a thousand. We get 1,200 or so, 1,400 or so of chilling hours yeah. here. So it's it's not an issue, but you don't want them, you don't want to buy one that's got a really uh, low chilling hour because right. you're likely to never get fruit. All right, so so far what I'm taking out of this, if you want fruit trees, okay. Um, Move somewhere. Well, you can grow fruit trees <laughs> around here, yeah. but you need you need space. You need good sunlight. Uh, you need to be prepared, like you said, Jim, to spray fruit trees because they're very susceptible to both insects and disease, depending on the tree. Some more susceptible than others, right? Yeah. You know, my the surgeon who did my uh, all of my hip replacements and knee replacements and all that kind of stuff, um, he, he had some land outside Memphis, and he came right. in one day and he said, I'd like to plant fruit trees out there. I said, right. well, now, you know you're going to have to spray them every seven to ten days or so. During the growing uh, season or initially well, anyway. I'm going to try to do this, you know, and, yeah. and, and by the time the deer got real, well, he only lasted a couple of years, and he just gave up on them. So, <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not telling people to do that. But yeah. now, all right, let me say this, Jim. You mentioned, uh, you know, we we're talking about pollinators. Also, it's not as simple as just planting one fruit tree and expecting a good yield. Now, some trees are self pollinating; they don't have to have a pollinator with it, right? Mm, that's true, but almost all trees will produce more if you have a second tree. Okay, so if I want to plant an apple, I need to plant two apples. You At least two. Right. You could have to plant three because there's some like Arkansas black that's sterile. Okay. So it wouldn't be a good pollinator. It, it can't pollinate yeah. anything. Yeah. So if you've got a plant that pollinates it, it can't pollinate the I, other I one got back. You. So, so you've but, got to have a third tree to do that. So, so even the ones that are self-pollinating, you still get a better yield if you right. plant a pollinator. The peaches so, are considered self-pollinating, but if you plant another peach, you know, preferably a different variety. Yeah, same blooming uh, time, though. Right, but you'll get 
you'll get a, a better crop. Okay. So hopefully that will help people out that are thinking and about. And we have, a, particularly with apples, we have on, uh, but we have on, on our Facebook group, if you go to the little tab that says files, yeah. we have varieties on peaches, plums, uh, everything. I mean, I mean, passion fruit, <laughs> whatever you can grow here. Uh, we've got... Um, list on there on best varieties along with the chilling hours and there is an excellent apple pollinator chart that shows you i don't know 50 varieties or so of apples and which one will or will not pollinate it so, but do you also explain on the other fruit trees whether they need a pollinator or not absolutely. even though we just said that they absolutely. typically all out yeah, that's all covered in there and which one is the best pollinator for them because yeah. it does vary with bloom time so you want to make sure you have the because, right one because jim i mean there again i know a gentleman that has got some land down around oxford and he's got a a fruit tree orchard and another gentleman in marion arkansas and he's got the same thing uh, so they have them and they really enjoy them and they get decent yields off yeah. of these trees but they also understand that it's, it takes some work to get these yields. That's right. Now, you, you know, if you don't mind your peaches having holes in them and sap I do mind out that. and half a worm in there because you just took a bite, I, uh, then you, the know, you don't have spray. But if you want something that looks like you'd buy it out of a grocery store, you're going to have to spray it. Yeah. And, and there are fruit tree sprays that yeah. have both the insecticide and the fungicide. Uh, because you typically need to spray with both. And you need to be on a preventative program, not a curative yeah, program. Yeah, and if you read the label of, say, just a typical fruit tree spray, gym, you'll see where they want you to start your first spray-ins when the buds just start turning pink. Yep. You know, before anything happens. Pre-bloom. Early in the season, and then mm. you'll spray periodically through the spring, and then you'll typically spray, uh, you know, if you spray during bloom. That's one thing also. Be careful there. Yeah, okay. because you don't want to kill the bees, your pollinators. So if right. you're ever spraying during bloom, which they recommend also, you make sure you're spraying early, early in the morning before or the bees are active. in the evening. Exactly. So. Yeah, with things like peaches, we like to do, you know, because some of the problems like peach leaf curl attack when that, before the buds have come out, mm-hmm. okay? So you want to make sure that you've sprayed what's called the pink stage or pre-bloom. Then once you get about 70% flower shatter Mm -hmm. then you can come in with your second spray Mm -hmm. okay so but again don't spray when they're pollinators out i mean that's just and and there's some plant some things like uh, spinosa great product okay don't spray it during the day but if you'll spray it late in the night by the next day it's safe for your pollinators pretty amazing you know all right so hopefully there again that will help people you know that are thinking about planting fruit trees or just have know, fruit just trees know out that there. they're going to be maintenance here That's to right. take care of and from the time you put them in till the time they start producing four or five years from now yeah no right. and then the pruning like you said earlier is pretty important also Jim. Yeah. All right, guys, we got to run to a break here in a minute, but when we get back, uh, you can give us a call, of course. I'll give you the phone numbers here in a second, but we're going to talk about maybe some bulbs. Jim, bulb season is coming up, whether that's tulips, daffodils, all the other types of bulbs. Um, you know, there are some, some fertilizers that we can put down this time of year, whether it's a lawn or our beds. You know, we can talk about that. Um, and then uh, about, you know, pruning some trees also. I know we're talking about fruit trees, but what about just pruning things around our house this time of year? I know there's pros and cons with that also. Um, so, you know, we'll get into all that, including, you know, even pruning our roses. Jim, a lot of people have roses out there, mm-hmm. and there is this thing called winter pruning that we'll talk about. So 
quite a few different things, uh, guys, to talk about. But if y'all want to give us a call, it's really easy. 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. And you can also give us a call if you're calling from outside the local calling area, 844-747-8868. That's 844-747-8868. And then, Jim, of course, they can go to the Mighty 990 and you know, see us on there mm-hmm. and uh, shoot us a text that way. So, guys, we'll be right back after these messages. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Mid-South Gardening. You can give us a call, 901-260-5926 or 844-747-8868. I've got Mr. Jim Crowder with us this morning. My name is Kenneth. I'm at Dan West Garden Center. Jim is... um, He's usually at home doing all kind of yard work. I He's, am a retired nurseryman. And I don't know where you got the word grumpy. You know people, actually, tired nurseryman is probably please. a better He's retired. <laughs> he's never tired. But he's got a great Facebook page. Well, you know, yeah, I'm, I've am i been called grumpy and a lot of other things, too. But where did the grumpy word come well, from? Well, you know, I was fairly successful in life because yeah. I got things done. You know, well, you don't, don't always make friends doing that. I understand that. I, you know, you're you're really lucky. You're friends with a lot of your employees. You yeah. know, I was not good at that. Yeah. Okay, so that's where uh, the grumpy word that's came where in. The grumpy word right. came in because we're gonna drop the. You know, I just didn't like to hear somebody. I didn't want to ever ask somebody twice to do yeah. something. See, so he's being grumpy now. Okay, now yeah, it's starting to come out. I understand what the right. grumpy but word came from. But I'm heavily medicated now, so it's a whole lot better. <laughs> so if I'd had these medicines years ago, I'd have a lot more friends. I understand. <laughs> oh, Lord. But anyway, Jim, I'm glad you're here. And Miss Veda Vance, who's usually here with us, uh, she'll be here next weekend, and we do Miss Veda. Yeah, She's a little listening. under the weather this yeah. morning, but she'll be back. All right, what about bulbs? Uh, there's many bulbs that do pretty darn well here in the mid-south this is a good area for bulbs it really is they like our heavy clay soil believe it yeah, or not you know but uh you know typically if you if you go by damas garden centers and other garden centers uh you're going to find bulbs fall bulbs this time of year yeah. uh whether it's tulips daffodils you know a lot of the minor bulbs jim the crocus the muscaries and yeah, all those i had to, i was out at your, your other damn west store uh, this week and i just i had to buy one of the yellow lycoris i just no that's the surprise lily yeah i've got a hundred or so red ones and i had one that appeared to be a cross between a yellow and a red but this it, one is it, a pure yellow yeah it was just stunning the package is stunning yeah. so there's one in the garage i got a plant oh there you go uh, but when it comes to bulbs, typically, typically you'll plant your bulbs around Thanksgiving. Yeah. When the soil Here. temperatures are a little cooler and they're going to stay cool. Uh, you know, but things like the pennies and, you know, the lilies, you know, uh, the lacoris. Jim, you can go ahead and plant those, of course, yeah. anytime. But overall. Plant daffodils now if you want. They're right, fine. even daffodils. But but it, overall, it doesn't hurt if you uh, even wait till around Thanksgiving uh, around that area to plant your bulbs. But what I like to tell people, especially when it comes to tulips, I like to go ahead and purchase the bulbs as soon as possible. Uh, Put them in a paper bag and just stick those things in the refrigerator, you know, or a a nice, cool, dry place. The refrigerator, in my opinion, being the best place. Mm -hmm. And uh, and go ahead and give them that pre-chill. Tulips will always do so much better. When I say so much better, they'll bloom so much better. Uh, in the spring, if they are properly chilled, 
Now, usually our winters do that for us, but we've had some very mild winters here in the Mid-South. Yeah, our winter really is not long enough to chill them properly. Properly, that's right. We'd like to have 12 to 14 weeks of cold ground, uh, and we just don't normally get that here. Mm -hmm. So what happens is when you get varying temperatures like that, you get varying stem heights. Mm -hmm. Okay, The length of the chill period directly affects the the height and the length of those stems. Here, if you plant 100 tulips, just whenever you decide to plant them. You're talking about even the same variety. Even in, Yeah, if you just go buy them and plant them at Thanksgiving mm-hmm. without chilling them or anything like that, they're going to be slightly different heights. You know, Some of them may not be very tall at all. Um, but if you can chill them for 14 weeks or so, they'll be almost identical, every single one yeah. of them. Yeah. So like that's you, why I love getting them early now. Right. Always get them early. Get the best bulbs. Get the tulips. Get the biggest ones mm-hmm. you can find. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you're going to get the biggest flower. And they're not going to winter here. I'm out and go through the summer and come back next year. Now, we treat really the tulips as an annual. Right. Uh, yeah. And then now a lot of the other bulbs, in fact, most of the other bulbs uh, will come back for you just fine. Right. Uh, for many years. In fact, a lot of them will even multiply. you got to go out there from time to time, dig them up, divide them, and replant them. Yep. All right, so all right, other tips for bulbs, other than buying them early and, and, and potentially pre-chilling. Uh, what about the planting depth, Jim? Well, the, the rule of thumb is about two and a half times the height of the bulb. That's okay. where the base of the bulb should be. Okay. So if you've got a two-inch bulb, you want to have it at the base of the bulb at five inches. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or four and a half, right. Yeah. So the thing you want to make sure you do when you plant it is not let your fertilizer come in contact with that bulb. Mm-hmm. Dig a little deeper, put your fertilizer there, and put then soil, in. soil back in and then put that on top of it. But it's also important not to plant bulbs too deep. That's right. Uh, for example, you know, your narcissus, your daffodils, and your peonies to come example, or, or peonies. Uh, if they are too deep into the soil, you'll get beautiful foliage, but you're not going to get any you know, bloom. get blooms. And that's the reason we have to divide many of like daffodils, because they'll just start multiplying and pile up on top of themselves mm-hmm. in there, and you, they just don't bloom well. So you about every three to five years on some, you've got to go them in up and, and divide, them. divide them. And then another great look, and I know we've got about a minute, is um, a lot of people that are planting their pansies this time of year, okay? Uh, they're pulling up their, Jim, their spring and summer color and replacing it with the fall and winter color, the pansies, violas, and so forth. But I tell you what, a really great look is having tulips planted in the pansy beds. Yep. And in the spring, when these things come up and bloom, and you have that undercarriage of pansies blooming I mean, I've seen some great-looking beds, I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like we said, you know, most of the bulbs will come back year after year after year. The tulips, uh, as cheap as they are, you can still look. You treat them as an annual, but they'll love, and we'll plant those every year. All right, guys, hope that'll help you with the bulbs. We've got to run to a break. We'll be back after these messages. Give us a call, 901-260-5926 or 844-747-8868. Hey, 
Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Mid-South Gardening. If you have a gardening question, you can give us a call, 844-747-8868 or 901-260-5926. I'm here. My name is Kenneth. I work at Dan West Garden Centers. You can come by there, of course, any time during the week, Monday through Sunday. And I've got Mr. Jim Crowder here. I appreciate, Jim, you being here. And our good friend and co-host of the show, Miss Veda Vance, uh, she's off this uh, weekend, but she'll be here next weekend. And, of course, we always appreciate Miss Claire Bear back in there, the producer, taking care of it. So, yeah. Uh, Jim, talking about bulbs real quick, I did have a text or text in. It says, is there a variety of tulip that can stay in the ground and come back next year? Well, that's a maybe, right? That's a maybe, yeah. Uh, and a lot of that depends on the winter. You know, if we have a very wet winter a lot of these tulips will not come back if you have a fairly dry winter and a uh, you know a, a substantial chill then yes some of these bulbs might come back but it's nothing that you can count not on. To, yeah you can't don't depend on it and then remember there were tulips that were called species tulips right. you know that they said had a much better chance of coming back but still here in the mid south yeah. you can't count on tulips to come back the house i lived in over in midtown had a uh, at one time was a fountain in the backyard and but it was a very shallow thing so and they had it had cracked and they had put soil in it uh, they had also planted equisetum in it, and it, of course, went out the crack and got all over the yard, uh, <laughs> which is another story. <laughs> kind of like mint would do right. for you, yeah. But it was it, it didn't have a lot of soil, maybe four inches or so, mm-hmm. and I put some tulips in there. Now, that froze solid during the wintertime. I mean, it was elevated up and got – See, course, I think that we would, were having really cold winters back then. You would think that would, that would kill the bulb. But it didn't, okay? I had some that came back for several years. Um, but I think it's more heat here during the summer. This was shaded during the summer, so we, okay. you know. Uh, so most, you evidently you had a perfect yeah, environment. Most for them. of you know the tulips come up early before the leaves right. are out, so they build some some carbohydrates to come back and rebuild that bulb. So, but I, you know, they didn't last more than I don't know three or four years or so. Uh, but most bulbs will are fairly dependable. I said when I moved into my house that I'm in now, 20 years ago, there was somebody had planted uh, hyacinths at the front door, and they're still I coming love them. back. Yeah, you know they still smell great. They're not producing as many flowers. I I need to dig them up because there's probably a whole bunch of them down there. Yeah. Uh, but and they're it, again another place where through the summer they're in the shade, but you know early spring they get plenty of sunlight on them and. Puts up that little pink flower. You know, and unfortunately, Jim, there's nothing out there that looks like a tulip other than a tulip. I mean, there just isn't, if you think about it. But, you know, they're so inexpensive for, say, as far as what you get from them uh, that, you know, I mean, treated it as an annual, so what? You know, I'm still going to plant mine. Yeah, you know, Um, and and like Dixon Gowering Gardens plants a quarter million of them or something right, like that. which is so, a beautiful showing. Right, every... go, go see that. The Botanic Garden has some beautiful planting. So in the spring, make sure you go buy one of those and see yeah. what you can do with tulips. Um, but you, just not going to be dependable yeah. here. So, Diane, I mean, answer your question. I know that was a long answer, but not really. I mean, uh, you know, as far as a tulip that you can plant that will come back year after year. Now, if you plant 100, you know, you might have 20 come back. I'm not mm-hmm. saying you won't have any come back, but you just can't count and on any. And two <laughs> But you take <laughs> Exactly. Now, what about, Jim, the bulbs that people f- forced to bloom indoors? You know, uh-huh. 
People, uh, if you want tulips, let's say, for example, and daffodils uh, and hyacinths, per se, to bloom inside, then you've got to go ahead and put those in the refrigerator and chill them. They've got to go through that that simulation of a winter process. Right. And when you see these, like, hyacinths sold with a little vase that you can put in there, they've already been pre-chilled for you. Now, if they sit on the shelf in, in a retailer for months then they may not bloom for you. But they have been pre-chilled so that you can just put them right in there, add a little water to them, and they come up and bloom, just like paper whites. Well, I was going to say, then, what about the bulbs that you don't have to pre-chill? Well, paper whites, a lot of those are already pre-chilled. Or amaryllis. Right, amaryllis. are Actually, they are chilled because they don't normally bloom then. Uh, Normally, they would bloom into March into early May. Uh, which which they do once you plant them in the garden. But that, get on that, but that initial point, we want them blooming around Christmas, Christmas time. time. Right. So they artificially chill them and, and force them so that they bloom them. So, so if you want things like tulips and daffodils and hyacinths and those kind of bulbs uh, forced to bloom indoors uh, and bloom indoors, you make sure that you get them down and put them in the fridge. Uh, for at least eight weeks, don't you think, Jim? At least. Yeah, and yeah. you'd like to even go even 12 weeks if to some we extent. Can. Uh, now, the other bulbs like the paper white narcissus, and there's different varieties. There's Galilee and Ziva and Inball. And, uh, but the beauty of those is you don't have to pre-chill them. All you do is, man, add water to those things, and they're blooming. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the amaryllis. So there are some uh, that you have to pre-chill if you want to bloom them, uh, have them bloom indoors, and then there's some that you don't have to. All right, what about, uh, Jim, pruning um, winter pruning or pruning things this time of year. And it made me think about that. I was out there pruning the other afternoon. I was pruning some of the uh, wintergreen boxwoods in my backyard. I've got five or six of them that kind of bank a bay window, okay? and I'm But I'm not really pruning these. I was shearing yeah, these. Yeah, you're just tip trimming. You know, that's all I was doing. Um, but you see a lot of people going out there pruning this time of year. Uh, whether it's trees, uh, whether it's shrubs, uh, what's your take? I mean, I know we got to be a little careful, especially on shrubs that bloom early in the season. I know that we're probably better off planting or pruning trees, you know, uh, even you know, mid late winter, uh, early spring. Um, so, what are the do's and don'ts, Jim? In your opinion, well, and, and even roses, for example. Well, with with trees, I have no problem once you've got. Fifty percent or so leaf drop. Yeah. That you could go ahead and start after a good, them. you know, frost maybe yeah. first frost, um, and that's a good time to do it. Um, with most shrubs, you're going to want to prune. The rule is after they bloom. Mm-hmm. So if it's a spring flowering, like azaleas after and it flowers, right. okay. If it's a summer flowering shrub, then you that blooms on new wood. You could prune it mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that I prune are like um, uh, butterfly bushes. Yeah, I cut them back hard. I cut my uh, panicle hydrangeas back hard. Lime lights, little right. limes, those. Kind and of- I usually do that before the hardest winter gets here. Okay, that way it doesn't break if it gets ice on it gotcha. or anything like that. Uh, and then you know, if it's uh, the the really dwarf butterfly bushes i'll cut those back but i'll also throw pine needles or dried leaves yeah. over them to help protect them they have such small stems they tend yep. to desiccate a little bit yep. and you'll get you know i've seen some of them just get knocked back to the ground 
Um, with roses, we like to do two prune. I like to do two prunings. Now, first, if it's a climbing rose or a rambling rose, I don't prune it at all unless it's something that's in the way. Because a lot of your climbers will bloom next year off of this year's growth. That's right. You get your best bloom on second year wood. Okay. There are some that bloom on first year that's wood, right. but you'll always get your best bloom on growth that is actually become horizontal so you can cut out what you don't need or what you don't want right but for the most part anything's damaged or if it's pointing towards the driveway scratching the car you can cut that out okay now for most shrub rose or for shrub roses like uh, knockouts Mm -hmm. you don't have to do any pruning to those if you want you can let them grow and they'll get six feet tall (laughs) or you can prune them back at any height you want so i mean and you can do that anytime they're just that tough with hybrid teas and the really cutting quality roses, I, normally sometime maybe after the Christmas, first frost, or yeah, especially I mean, by Christmas, I'll do what's called wind pruning. Cut them back to thirty, thirty-six inches tall. That way, they're not whipping. And so the cutting, wind so and winter that. pruning, cutting about a third of the height out of yeah, there. Yeah. Okay. So. And then once we get into mid-February, late mm-hmm. February, then I'll hard prune. Back to 12 to 14 inches. And that's pretty important on you know, these, especially it, these hybrid teas right. and so the, forth. The biggest flowers and the biggest breaks are going to come off the biggest wood. Mm-hmm. So the lower you cut, the better results you're going to get. I know it's tempting to leave it up some height on it. I know. But, you know, if you <clears throat> knock it back hard each year, it, you'll end up with better quality roses. Now, Jim, what about cutting back some evergreens? I mean, if you had, you know, pine trees or whatever, you know, junipers or or evergreens. I mean, don't you still want to be a little careful of when you do that, or you're more wide open to do that? Yeah, normally I like to do that just as we're getting into spring, just as yeah. the new growth. If you need to tip trim or something, most conifers don't break well on wood that's older than a year. Meaning, meaning, if you cut back into where there's no green, you get no growth. I got you. So you want to be very careful there. If you're pruning a pine tree, take it all the way back, take a limb off if you need to. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, the pruning is done when that new candle comes up. When it gets up to say three or four inches tall, if you pluck out half of it. Don't cut it because you'll get brown tips on the needles as they come out. But if you'll just pluck it in half, then it will end up shortening the plant. You get shorter needles, you get thicker plants, and in fact, that's how we how we control the growth on bonsai is just by trimming those candles. That's pretty amazing, you know. It really is. All right, so pruning though, but but pruning is, you know, it can be important. Uh, especially, for example, the roses, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, roses need uh, good air circulation. Uh, so if you've got a lot of hybrid teas, grandiflores, floribundas, even shrub roses to some extent, Jim, and you're not just getting that good air circulation around each rose, I mean, it can cause some problems. Yeah, you know, when you're looking at a hybrid tea or, or, or good cutting rose, it should mm-hmm. look like your hand, okay? Like you an upside-down umbrella. Right. You know? So that you could reach down into the center of it and cut a flower out or just – and you want all your breaks on your canes to come to the outside. Watch where the buds come out. And if you get a bud that's coming up out of the center of the plant, just pull it out. Just take it off. That way you get all of your growth coming to the outside, stays wide and open. That's the reason we have a whole lot less trouble with – 
with uh, rose rosette on hybrid teas mm-hmm. than we do shrub roses because the wind can go blow yeah. right through them. Yeah, makes okay. a big difference. Yeah. It? It's not just a catcher's mitt for all those mites exactly. that are blowing in the wind. All right, guys, we've got to run to a break. Uh, we'll be get back after these messages. If you want to give us a call, 901-260-5926. Hey guys, welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. My name is Kenneth, and I've got Mr. Jim over here. Jim, I appreciate you being here this morning. It's been a hoot since the last segment here. We appreciate everybody that's tuned in this morning. Ask you to come back next week. We're here every week. Mm -hmm. And if by chance you miss us, we have the podcast at KWAM radio.com you can see all the past ones yeah and say that fool actually said that listen to this (laughs) talking about you right yeah Uh, and then of course miss veda vance hopefully she'll be back uh next weekend with us jim uh we had a little breeze come through last night brought in some cooler weather you know as we love to say it's fall y'all which means we're going to have some leaves start coming out of these trees right bunch of them fell last night and we can do a lot of things with leaves we can ignore them which is not really the best thing to do for a lawn we can rake them up and put them in a bag and let somebody come pick them up and they'll say thank you later or you can use the leaves yourself somehow yeah you know and i was telling you i I just ordered a little electric leaf shredder uh to to help use some of that you know now we're lucky in bartlett we don't have to bag our leaves we just rake them to the curb yes you are lucky and they come by with a vacuum like (sighs) once a month and suck them up so you're uh, lucky yes but in uh, and carol likes to do that you know but isn't that wonderful yeah but also jim i mean ground up leaves you said you got a shredder you're gonna grind your leaves up right and i'm gonna grind up a whole bunch of these acorns so they don't come up uh, <laughs> <laughs> Some years, everyone I'm tend to come uh, up. Seems like it, but but I mean, you don't have to put these leaves to waste. I mean, you can use these leaves, right? You know, there's not much nutrition left in them. The okay. leaf has used pretty much everything out of it, but, but it, it will is, turn into good compost. It's good though, compost. Right? It's good organic matter. It's um, a soil builder. Yeah, yeah. So, and and it's a good mulch. You know, particularly mm-hmm. I have oak trees, and leaves tend to stay dry. They don't mat down like maple leaves and some of those. Right. So, um, you know, I was showing you a picture of uh, first year growth on one of. Uh, a bulb, uh, an allocation bulb I bought from Dan West. Thing is, which is an upright elephant ear. The, the ears huge. go up instead of down. It's beautiful. It's got multiple stems on it. It's just really performed well. Uh, but I'm going to mulch that heavily with six or eight, ten, twelve inches of leaves uh, to help get it through the winter. Now, could you use these ground up leaves in all your beds? Though? I could, but yeah, you don't want to put it I on top of your good looking. A lot of perennials. Right? I don't want to put it on, uh, obviously. But you know, in beds like uh, iris beds, right. I don't like to put a lot of uh, heavy mulch, mulch on those. Um, so it's a, it's a good easy way and you can take the blower and just blow it off in the in the spring just get get it off the crown so what about good, though if you had mulch. like a raised bed for say vegetables absolutely you know you just put, dump as many leaves in there ground up leaves yeah or, and or you know if you don't have a grinder put them down hole and then just till them up in the spring so uh you know it's it's good organic matter that you don't have it's free you don't have to yes. waste it you know 
if you don't have trees, you wait till somebody bags them and go steal them in the night. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm telling you, that's why I'm seeing uh, some people driving around in their pickup, grabbing these bags of leaves that yeah. are just sitting there on the curb. Somebody's already done all the hard work for them. Yeah, I used to do that. Look yeah. for the <clears throat> look for the ones that are the big fluffy bags. If they look like they're heavy. I don't want that one. Whoa, well, okay, because you got to pick that one. thing up, yeah. right? Uh, but when <clears throat> I in the Midtown home I lived in, I used to go go around through Chickasaw Gardens and some of those areas and mm-hmm. pick up. Uh, bags of, of leaves to Knowing put on that you use them. Yeah. Now, I grew a lot of satsuki azaleas, and a lot of those were very borderline. They would get burned, so I'd cover them totally during the wintertime. Mm-hmm. You, know, you wouldn't see them, wouldn't know they're there, and then take them off in the spring. They're beautiful green. They just look like they've come through a wonderful winter. Now, and I wrote camellias down, Jim. We're going to talk about camellias next weekend. Yeah. Um, I know we yeah. only got a couple more minutes here, but when you're uh, when you're using your leaves, Jim, you said you bought that shredder, but you bought that shredder for a reason. Yeah, you know, yeah. you don't want to use just whole wet leaves in your bed. You want those leaves to sh- you want to shred those things up, break them up, then use them. Right, air moves through them better that way. Uh, they break down quicker. Um, you'll get worms up underneath them, you know, which is good. So you know, get the the worm castings from. So it's it's a just it's a free, cheap, organic. And, and let me say this additive. also: even if you're not using those shredded leaves in your beds at this point, you can still put that in your compost pile. Okay, yep. uh, I've got a back bed uh, where my wife made me plant a mimosa tree years ago. Love the mimosa trees. It's beautiful when it blooms. Of course, you know, they everything you read about mimosas and they swear them down, you should never plant one, right? For all the right reasons. But I dump all of my clippings back there, including the grass clippings and the leaves. It's the best soil in the in the in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. So it really does make a difference. Jim. Yeah, the one thing though is you want to watch is as these leaves come down, they'll get into the crotches of plants, particularly boxwoods that get inside. Azaleas. Azaleas. You want to get those out of there. Take your blower, open it up, blow them out of there because as that stuff stays wet through the winter, it is you're just asking for issues. Yeah. So get those leaves out of there. You know, as soon as you can. Yeah. All right, Jim, I appreciate you being here this morning. Had it's a been great a hoot, time. It? Uh, we'll have Miss Veda back next week. He makes everybody. it sound like I'm not here every week. But, well, you, know. you are. <laughs> and we appreciate the producers in the other room. They always do a great job for us, guys. Come by Danwest Garden Centers or go to Facebook on, you know, the Mid-South Gardening. We'll be back here next weekend to take your calls. Everybody have a great weekend.